name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. It's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. And then he's bald with a never bugger! Kill Bond, now! To the right! To the right! To the right! Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice trade. <laughs> Welcome back to Double Oz 7, a James Bond podcast, and another great interview podcast because we've got a good one for you today. Uh, going all the way back to 1983. Not that we recorded this in 1983, but somebody gets to talk to us about 1983, a time that I was in diapers for, Ben wasn't even born yet, but great bonds were being made all over the world, especially Octopussy with Roger Moore and our guest today, VJ Armitrage, who uh, was a tennis great who transitioned into acting, and we recently ranked him on our Bond Allies episode. So it's a thrill to be able to have him on the show today. My name is Colin and Buzzsaw. (laughs) (laughs) And my name is Ben. And to use a great tennis quote, That's what they all say. <laughs> that is. Can fit into James Bond as well. Depends on the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Octopussy, I think this is a great one. You know, it's funny that uh, we're starting to get into more interviews now. And uh, way back in the day when we started the show, one of the first interviews that we tried to line up was another actor from Octopussy, which I won't spoil because we might be talking again very soon. Uh, but uh, this has always sort of been one of my guilty pleasure Bond movies. And uh, I remember seeing it the first time and thinking, oh, you know, this called Octopussy. How good could it be? And then watching me like, that movie is just a blast. I mean, it's kind of like my Die Another Day, like what Die Another Day is to you. Uh, and recently we even had Rossi on here where he ranked Octopussy as his number one favorite Bond movie of all time. So uh, be able to get stories, period, from anybody who worked with Roger Moore is great. But being able to get stories from so long ago that they've probably never been told before, absolutely fantastic. Speaking of that film you just mentioned. Thank you. Um, I have always been indifferent on Octopussy. I think I famously called it the Romania of James Bond. That, uh, you know, it's... (laughs) It exists, it's there, you know it's there, but you don't really talk about it that much. And I think out of all the James Bond movies, Octopus is the one I've seen the least. I always forget it's a Bond film. Uh, I always think it goes from For Your Eyes Only to A View to a Kill. Oh, wait, there's one in between them. Um, but having said that, I was so excited to be able to do this interview. And this is a this is a fun chat. I mean, yeah. in, at the time of us releasing this, this is the third Bond actor we've obviously had on the show. We keep teasing that we've got a fourth Bond actor coming on for our 100th episode. But it's actually... I will say that the third or three of the four that have come from the eighties as well. So we're kind of, uh, mm-hmm. we've got a lot from this era, which it's interesting because each of the actors, uh, come from, well, actually no, they don't come from a different bond. The hundredth was from a Roger Moore movie. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just thinking that there were three different bonds in the eighties, which there kind of was. I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked already. The point I'm trying to say is this is a great interview. I'm also yeah. a bit of a tennis fan. I think you're a bit of a tennis fan as well. Yeah. So, uh, it's sort of always exciting to chat to somebody who, as, as VJ mentions, you know, basically with playing Wimbledon and going to Pinewood on the same day, which, you know, mm. I don't think Roger Federer has, uh, unless he's got a surprise cameo in No Time to Die. <laughs> Who knows? We haven't seen it yet. Um, I don't think that's ever happened before. So, yeah, no, this is a this is a great chat. This is uh, really a, a fun interview where we learn a lot and some Roger Moore stories to die for. Yeah, yeah, to die for. No time to die for it, but uh, <laughs> you can if you listen to it now. Here it is, our exclusive interview with the great VJ Armitrage. We're thrilled to have this next guest on the show. Uh, You might remember him as an icon of the great sport of tennis, who's competed against the likes of John McEnroe, Bjorn Borg, Jimmy Connors. Uh, You may also know him, if you're one of our listeners, from the great 1983 Roger Moore film, Octopussy, where he made his movie debut, competing against the likes of Kamal Khan, Gobinda, and Gobinda's Buzzsaw. Uh, Today, we welcome Vijay Amritraj. Vijay, thanks so much for being here. Colin, thanks very much. Great to be on your show. Very excited. 
You know, what's uh, amazing is that I, you, obviously you have like a huge tennis career, which I'm assuming is what you're most well known for. And, you know, you've done a couple of movie roles here and there, uh, but I can't tell you how great it is to see behind you right now, which you know, some of our listeners or viewers might be able to see, uh, you have the Octopussy poster on your wall. Uh, and this was obviously your movie debut. I mean, is this something you still get recognized for to this day? Well, amazingly, uh, and uh, it's crazy how many places in the world they just still keep showing the movie. And uh, especially, you know, in parts of the world uh, that you would least expect it. Nairobi, and Accra, and Ghana, and, uh, you know, across the uh, South American continent. And, of course, in Asia. It, it's incredible that they keep repeating it. Uh, uh, because I hear about it and people still talk about it, play those clips when I walk on stage at events. <laughs> it's, the, it's the funniest thing. I played 20 years on the on the tennis tour and, uh, you know, they keep showing the clip from the movie. <laughs> and here you are today talking talking about it. Because is this something that, you know, with all the interview requests and sort of media you must do, do, do people want to talk to you about your acting career and particularly your time in Bond or is it just all tennis, tennis, tennis? Uh, obviously, I'm on shows uh, because of the sport as well, and I served as president of the tennis tour, ATP Player Council, for a few years, and all of that. All of that added to the my post tennis uh, career, and of course, doing uh, 25 years of television of all the Grand Slams. But the interesting thing is when they always they always seem to come back to Octopussy and a couple of other film roles that I've done and the television series that I've done, uh, being you know kind of the first Indian on American television and so on. The, in the in the early 80s so i think all of that kind of added to my my career and to my uh, tennis broadcasting ability so uh, but it still stands out as one of my favorite things that i've done that led me on to do many other television shows we see a lot more of this crossover now of people from other forms of media. Okay, I'm going to get into movies or movie stars want to get into music. Athletes want to get into music. I mean, all of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, back in the early 80s, there wasn't so much uh, of that going on. Uh, was acting something that you were seeking out? Like, I'd like to get into acting or did the offer just sort of come to you? Well, this is an interesting story because at the end of the day, you know, you, everyone grows up watching a Bond picture. The first ever movie so-called adult movie that I went to see was uh, was um, a Goldfinger. So I think when you when you look back at that and say, okay, uh, the Broccoli's, uh, Kabi and his daughter were actually watching me play at Wimbledon. Wow! And uh, you know, after my match, they uh, he sent Barbara down to ask if I would have tea with them. I did. Ended up meeting Kabi and and then for the first time, and he was the nicest man in the world. And uh, said, "Listen, we've 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 tested hundreds of actors for this particular role, and we're shooting part of the movie in India and, and in Pinewood uh, with an Indian actor. We don't have the right person yet. Would you consider doing a screen test?" And and I said, just for a laugh, you know, let me do it. Who can say they worked at Pinewood in the morning and played Wimbledon in the afternoon? So <laughs> I, I kind of did it as a laugh, and then. I think it was two, three days later, they came back and said, uh, listen, we'd like to sign you for 14 weeks for this particular role. I said, well, I can't do 14 weeks. I'm on the tour all year. And uh, they said, uh, well, if you can, uh, we can, we can maneuver the schedule to fit you in. And so I did two weeks in the picture, three weeks to go play tennis, come back and do two weeks on the movie and back and forth. So they've never done that with actors because of insurance and so on, but they allowed me to do that. And uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. Which, I mean, as you just mentioned, who can say that they've been to Pinewood Studios in the morning and Wimbledon uh, in the afternoon? I mean, I, I can't imagine that there you are playing in the greatest tennis tournament in the world, uh, you know, focused on your match, focused on, on wanting to play well, never imagining that the producers of James Bond are in the crowd and are going to approach you after. I mean, that's that's the stuff of dreams. I mean, I, I'm hoping that I, I've got, you know, Michael Wilson or, you know, that watching right now, our our podcast, and maybe I'm going to get offered yeah. a role in Bond 26 and they decide to finally film a Bond film in Australia. I, I, I'm thinking this is a possibility. That, that's an incredible story. Well, and even when I got on the set, eventually when I did get the role after they, because I did the screen test on a laugh, you know, I just went in and did it. They said, have you ever worked with a snake before? <laughs> I said, I said, I don't think so. I did play McEnroe a few times, but that's different. Uh, <laughs> but I think they, they, uh, you know, they wanted to know how long it would take me to get used to the snake. 
And I said, you have to be joking. I, I, you know, just let me do it on the day because I'm going to have to rely on my adrenaline of playing at Wimbledon to be able to take me through the snake roll. <laughs> so I did do it. They brought in James Brolin, the American actor, to come and do the screen test with me from the U.S. So he flew in from the U.S. to Pinewood to actually do the scene that John Glenn directed the, uh, the screen test at Pinewood. And uh, they, I just did it on a laugh. And, and, and then Kavi said to me, listen, before my start of uh, doing the picture, when Barbara walked me into Pinewood for the first time, he said, uh, listen, don't go to any acting classes. Just do your thing and be original. You are so uh, charming on screen. Just leave that to take its course. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. I was curious about that because uh, you know, the story is very well known now that Roger Moore had, I guess, walked away from the role and that they had screen tested all these actors. Uh, you know, James Brolin was one, Sam Neill was another. So when you came on, it wasn't uh, a set thing yet that Roger's coming back. You could have been in Correct. this with James Brolin. Wow. Correct. And Correct. when did you they, find they out that, that it was Roger? Roger? Was going to accept. They always wanted him. I think they were kind of trying to put a little bit more heat on Roger to accept it. Mm. And uh, and if you if you remember that same year, is when um, the competing uh, people had released Never Seen Ever Again in the same year. Yeah. So it was one of those, it was a big battle of the bonds, if you wanted to call it at the mm -hmm. time. But uh, you couldn't get away from the fact that uh, Roger was going to win out in that battle. Yeah, for sure. What was that moment like then when sort of everything had gone through, Roger stayed on board and, and you got that opportunity to meet Roger? Because as you said, you're, you're a fan of, of the Bond films. I can imagine your first ever movie role, here you are in the <coughs> Bond franchise and here you are standing in front of Roger Moore, James Bond himself. Do you remember that first moment you got to meet Roger? Well, I knew I was going to be nervous uh, because everyone's going to think, oh, here's another athlete who wants to be an actor and they you know they put him in this role for this particular purpose and uh so barbara came with me uh took me in the first day and i walked into pinewood and i saw my name on the dressing room door i, I saw my name on the chair i was uh you know I, I said to barbara i said listen don't please don't wake me up let me let me keep sleeping because uh, <laughs> it, i don't want to get out of this one and uh they were already in the middle of uh, shooting uh, a major scene and uh he had shouted action and we were standing way in the back of the stage at Pinewood and uh, Roger, everyone was, it was a big, big scene and Roger was the, obviously the thrust of it. And so, and he's, and, and Glenn said action. And then the movie, the camera started rolling and they started doing the scene. And the next thing, Roger saw me way across the stage. And instead of being in the scene, he just walked straight up to me and no one could understand because he had completely walked off set. <laughs> and it took, it took a few minutes before they could say cut. And he walked straight up to me and he said, uh, uh, my name is Roger Moore. I'm delighted that you accepted to join our production. I'm sure you'll have a great time and we're delighted you're on board with us. He just put me at ease so, so quickly that uh, that just that just turned the tables for me right away. My My nervousness went away and he and I got along like a house on fire. And, you know, there's a good possibility. I mean, you were very famous for your tennis career. Uh, Roger Moore could have been coming over just because, like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I'm too nervous to act opposite you or whatever. Uh, but obviously there were a lot of things that they decided to incorporate into the character. Uh, the name VJ may have been in the script prior, but I mean, you share the name as a character. And I have to imagine that at least the tennis racket, part of your character, they brought in because of the recognition of people knowing uh, who you were outside of the film. Well, first of all, tennis in the, in the 70s and 80s was very much a network sport. You know, the networks in the U.S. carried it. It was big across the world. You know, cable hadn't come in yet in a big way. And it was, uh, you know, everything was 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 big, big on, on network television. So tennis was a very, very popular network sport. Roger had seen me play on numerous occasions. So he said, listen, we loved what you've done in tennis and how you've represented the sport, the country, and so on and so forth. He was just magnificent in uh, how comfortable he made me feel. So when when I got into it, they had already written in a lot of the scenes that kind of had this pun, tongue-in-cheek, on, on the sport. And uh, my name was different in, in, the, in, the, in the original script. And Roger said, listen, why don't we just call him Vijay? It's easier. It rolls off my tongue very easily. <laughs> and so it's easier for him to say that. And he continued to change the script and the lines to go along with my character and my getting along with him, even even that scene in the back of the uh, tuk-tuk where uh, 
He said, what have you learned so far? And I say, well, my backhand's improved, was a line that he threw in. He threw in that line. And it was very much a a, a kind of a pun, obviously, on the sport. And the fact that I was was a tennis pro, teaching pro at uh, Kamal's club, was all thrown into that whole segment. There were other other issues, too, that they toyed with, with them, someone throwing a grenade and I'm having a racket. And I said, I got it. And I hit the grenade back with my racket and it goes back and blasts off, blasts off the bad guys. You know, all those things incorporated and it was what they used well in the scene at the end of the day. And the tuk-tuk really made a lot of sense. And that fight sequence took forever to film. It was a, it was a magnificent sequence. How is it to go from never acting to go into a fight sequence like that? I mean, A, I can imagine it's fun because, again, you're getting to be on the set of a James Bond film and get to experience this. But, I mean, what, what are the challenges uh, in filming a sequence like that? And in terms of the order of the sequences you were filming, had you done many of your scenes beforehand? Was this like one of the first things that you filmed when you were eventually filming the movie? Well, the first and foremost that comes to mind is what work goes into something like this. To film a minute that you would see on screen you know, it takes days to get it done. And, and it's, uh, and the number of people involved is, is, is humongous. You can't even imagine. And for a Bond picture, it's honestly like, uh, you know, playing Wimbledon every day. You know, you go to Wimbledon and it doesn't look like anyone's working, but the event runs to perfection. And that's what makes Wimbledon so great. Similarly with the Bond picture, the, the team is so great that everyone seems to not to be working, but everyone's doing his job. And it just, it, and, and that's why the actors are all so well coordinated. The director is the helm of things, and he's able to see everything on a macro level and at a micro level. And uh, that's why when an actor of Roger's stature works with someone like a John Glenn, that they have to sync together for this, for the scene to, to, scene to work. And so I had to kind of fit into that mold of saying, you know, this is where you end up. This, it's so easy to miss your mark every time you walked into a scene, especially when you bring something for the first time. And you don't want the lead actor to tell you, you know, you know, why we, why am I working with this guy? You know, mm-hmm. we, you know, I'm a professional. I expect to be in a, in a professional uh, scene here. And so, but that's what, that's what Roger was so good at. He, he made me feel completely comfortable. I don't think I made one error of judgment as to where I walked in and walked in the wrong way and so on and so forth. So it, it, it made life a lot simpler. And Cubby Broccoli obviously had a reputation for wanting to do it real. I mean, the Bond movies were based on that. We don't want to fake the location. We want to go there for real. We don't want to fake the stunt. We want to do it for real. You already mentioned you're working with real snakes in the movie. I mean, the Tuk Tuk, uh, I'm sure there was some little cuts here and there, maybe some stunt drivers. But I mean, during that chase scene, were you doing any of the driving yourself? Interestingly, that the one that I was driving was not an Indian Tuk Tuk. It was a Japanese one that had been imported just for this purpose because it could do those wheelies. The horsepower was 10 times greater. So it could actually do those wheelies. So it took me about a couple of days to actually be able to drive that like a normal person. It it wasn't like driving a normal scooter or a three-wheeler. So that was the first part of it. The second part of it was there were 2,500 extras filling the scene, the entire market scene, the bizarre scene. And then you're driving side by side with this open Jeep and you've got two camera crews in front on two other Jeeps. And you could hit anything anywhere. And I've got this, as Roger would say, this valuable merchandise in the back of my tuk-tuk. So it's a combination of all of that. And then, of course, the guy jumping in and the fight sequence. So it was done brilliantly to be able to incorporate a stuntman in certain sequences in certain pieces of it. So if Roger and I did 80% of it, 20% of it were then done by the stunt guys in that final final analysis. Actually, in one of those scenes, we did end up having an accident where a real blade went through one of the one of the stuntmen's arms. And uh, he went wow. away for, I think, uh, 30 stitches or something, came back. Ouch. Came, but he came back two days later to work. <laughs> <It's crazy. laughs> you know, and, uh, but again, they, they, they incorporated the uh, exteriors from Budapur along a lot of the interiors that was done in uh, in Pinewood. Was there any fear then from yourself, seeing that there are, there are stunt people getting injured and things like that? Was there some sort of fear that you might get an injury in some of these sequences and that could hamper you know your tennis career, that obviously you're still at the peak of your powers at that point? There's always a fear of it because of all that's going on. And just under normal circumstances, you didn't even have to do a stunt to get hurt because <laughs> there was so much going on. But... Uh, Roger, 
seemed so comfortable with the situation. Even, I, I don't know if you remember the scene where I end up driving the three-wheeler through a papered wall and uh, and then the and then the new screen drops right behind me when I drive through. That was to be done by a stuntman because there was only like six inches on either side, which was real wall. Wow. And I had to hit a dead center of that of that painting, so to speak, to drive the three-wheeler through. And uh, I was it, was it was written for the stuntman to do it. And Roger said, no, no, Vijay and I will do it. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got back into a corner. I couldn't say no, that he had said yes. And I'm the one doing the driving. <laughs> so I ended up doing it. I was sweating all morning, I remember. <laughs> the makeup guy had to come and literally remove all the sweat from my face before I could drive that thing dead center through with Roger in the back of the truck. You know. Wow. I mean, Roger Moore, his reputation is uh, his humor in the Bond movies. I mean, that's what he's known for above all the other Bond actors. I'm sure on screen, it just comes so naturally to him. But I mean, is he pretty much the same way off screen? Does he always have these one-liners flowing and always joking around? Well, first of all, you know, keep in mind that he was he was trying to follow someone who had uh, made the character and uh, someone who had done six pictures before him and... Uh, it had to do with the sex appeal and with his uh, killer instinct and all of that, the way Sean played his bond. And uh, and then when one person was tried on that one picture on a Majesty's Secret Service with, uh, with George, um, you know, Roger had to follow and be compared to Sean. And Roger was coming, obviously, a very successful television show, Simon Templer in The Saints, and then coming off of to do this in Live and Let Die must have been a humongous amount of pressure on him. But he had to bring something different to Bond that would pick up pick up the pace, which is exactly what he did. And so the one-liners that were coming off his mouth, rolled off his mouth, were, were incredible and done with a straight face, which made him even funnier. I always thought that he should have been in comedy. I, I always told him that. Listen, you... you you're not an action star. You're a, you're a comedian, and 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 it was just awesome the way he did it. I'll give you one incident that took place in Budaipur on location. Every night after after the shoot was over, we would sit by the poolside. It was so hot, and uh, by the poolside at a, length, a long table, all the actors, spouses. I was the only single person there at the time. Uh, 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 you know, having to deal with 32 uh, Miss Worlds and Miss Universes during the entire <laughs> filming of the movie. But uh, in any event, that was that was my problem. Yeah, it's a terrible time. Your that burden was a, to oh, bear. Jeez, what a horrible, horrible time he must have had. And, and so Roger sitting at the head of the table, his anecdotes and his stories are just incredible to listen to. He could talk all day. He's got a cigar in his mouth. He's wearing a safari suit. We're sitting at a table right by the pool. He's telling the story. And right in the middle of the story, he, he would say, excuse me, Get up from the, get up from his seat, put a cigar at the edge of the pool, dive right in, <laughs> safari suit, loafers and all, <laughs> swim to the other side, swim back, get back out of the pool, put the cigar in his mouth, sit down, and continue the story <laughs> like nothing had happened. That is exactly the way we want to picture Roger yes, Moore. <laughs> that's just, I just want to see that as Roger Moore forever now. That's perfect. <laughs> My, not a, I mean, everything is coming off his, his hair. Is this nothing? Nothing. The cigar is still lit. He's 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 no, been one of the nicest people you could ever meet. It's it's crazy to think just some of those memories that you you must have with that. And again, as I said, plenty of times. You know, your your very first role. Were you when you were on this set? You know, obviously, you're saying before, don't wake me up from this. But did this kind of light a fuse for for acting? Were you thinking that, well, you know, I'm obviously doing well at tennis, but this acting thing's pretty good as well. Not just because I'm hanging out with you know a couple of Miss Worlds and that, but it's a pretty fun experience that maybe this is something I'll pursue a little bit more. Well, yes, uh, obviously, I, I knew I was something that I always wanted to be a part of, the industry, however it was. And having done this picture, it gave me a real, I mean, you're starting at the very top. It's almost like your first tournament being Wimbledon, which doesn't happen in sport, right? The one thing about sport and movies, which are completely different from one another, is that it takes a whole team to end up making a good picture. And uh, however good the actor is, he's, he's, he's made to look good by this incredible team. In tennis... You know, it's just you and him. You know, if you have a bad day, you lose. If you have a good day, you're going to win most of the time. 
So I think it, it's very clear cut in our sport, but in movies it wasn't. It's very gray area the whole way. So uh, what it did with me with uh, with the Star Trek, I remember when I went on to do in '86, I went on to do Star Trek for the Voyage Home, and eventually I had a discussion with my agent because he wanted it was it was my shooting schedule was going to be during the summer season in the UK playing Queens Club in Wimbledon, and he said, "Listen, there's only that many years you can you can play tennis, but you can do acting as as the years go by. So listen, go play Wimbledon and." And uh, and Queen's Club, rather than do Star Trek in a in a bigger role that I was originally offered by the wonderful Harvey Bennett. But uh, eventually, I went and did play Wimbledon and Queen's Club, and came back and did a smaller role in Star Trek. But what goes into it is what really kind of tempted me to be more of a part of it, and ended up doing a lot more television as well. Just out of curiosity, I, I rewatched the Star Trek: The Voyage Home. Uh, I think it was just last year. Do you remember what role uh, they originally had offered you? I would have been. I think I would have been one of the guys on the bridge. Oh wow! Which would have which would have been quite uh, quite spectacular. That's a long. That's the shoot for so, the entire movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have been a much longer shoot and so on. Um, and I was saying, I told my agent, "Don't even negotiate. Just take it." You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, what uh, was the reception like for Octopussy? Uh, in India specifically, I mean, because obviously, you know, the Battle of the Bonds was all over the media at the time. You know, these movies are big all over the world. But I mean, this is the first time I believe they had actually filmed in India, and you're kind of the resident movie star now for the Indian audience. I can't decide whether it was bigger there or whether it was bigger in the UK, because uh, at the royal premiere at the Odeon Leicester Square, you know, it was uh, at the time. Uh, Charles and Princess Diana, who were at the royal at the royal premiere, the royal guests, and so, uh, and and Diana was a huge tennis fan, and so even at the premiere, she spent a lot of time talking to me about tennis and fitness and all of it, and she'd seen me play at Wimbledon and things like that. So it was a it was a huge conversation, which they don't normally have with one of the actors who were there. Everyone's lined up on the red carpet at the at the at the Leicester Square Odeon, and and here they are, royalty coming along, and. Uh, uh, the next day, there were pictures of uh, of us on all of the papers in the UK, and uh, um, it was everything. Everything about it had a tennis touch to it, and it was released obviously during the summer in England, which is the best time for tennis in the UK, which is Queens Club and Wimbledon and so on and so forth. And uh, there were a lot of puns that took place at the time, um, and one very interesting uh, incident was. I don't know if you I don't know if you guys follow Wimbledon, but uh, there's a qualification to get into Wimbledon, and if you lose in the final round of the qualifying before you get into Wimbledon, if you lose in that final round, you could become one of the lucky losers to get into Wimbledon should someone drop out from the main draw. Mm-hmm. And so at the at the movie premiere, a lot of the tennis players showed up to watch the picture, and when I died in the movie, one of them jumped up in the middle of the cinema and said, "I'm in, I'm in." Because I died in the movie. <laughs> That's how it should work in Bond films. That 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 was, you know, l- lucky losers. What what is it like getting killed by a buzzsaw? I mean, do do you go into that going, okay, pretty pretty cool way of going out? I could have gotten shot. I could have pushed off a cliff, but nah, death by a buzzsaw. That's a pretty cool way to go out. Well, that was another hairy moment because, first of all, uh, you know, when the villains use a method of killing someone, they always, in a Bond picture, it, it's never a bullet to the forehead, is it? No. Or a bullet bullet to the heart. It's always some messy death that is planned for him. Buzzsaws, lasers, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So when this guy started to do the buzzsaw, from above me, it's a very heavy piece of equipment that went the other way. And I looked up at him with these guys holding me and I said, uh, how long have you been practicing this? Because it was a pretty heavy piece of equipment. And he said, well, I only got it this morning. (laughs) And he was only supposed to miss me by about that much. (laughs) It was, and I kept shouting whether, you know, as to whether they had insurance and what I should do and, you know, get out of the way, should I jump back? He said, no, no, no. John kept saying, he'll miss you, he'll miss you. It's easy for you to say, you're standing way over there. <laughs> so it was one of those things. And, and of course, Roger made some remarks that uh, obviously can't be aired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Now you're working with a lot of people who probably already, well, we already know some of them followed the sport. I mean, anybody involved in this production from Cubby Broccoli, Maude Adams, uh, Roger Moore, anybody ask you for tips on their tennis game? Oh, the question was who didn't? <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> because interestingly, when we were shooting the picture also, I had to, um, I had to play Davis Cup uh, as well at that time. And so when I was in Udaipur for three weeks, in between, I had to go to, to um, uh, Donetsk in the Soviet Union and play a Davis Cup match and come back in the middle of the shoot. Wow. So I was actually trying to practice at 5.30 in the morning before I went to uh, set at 8 o'clock. When I woke up at 5 o'clock to go for my run and all of that, and uh, I came out at 5.30 to get to the court in Udaipur, Roger was already in makeup. And he would see me go out to walk out come back and then do the shoot and then run again in the evening before dinner. So I was trying to stay in training for the Davis Cup match. So when I came back from the Soviet Union, I actually brought back some uh, some um, Russian vodka and and caviar from uh, Donetsk at the time. Nice. I put up a big sign that said to Roger and the team from Russia with love. Ah, oh, perfect. Wow. We had a trend, Colin, recently about vodka and Russians with interviews on this show. I, I'm, yeah, I'm liking this. I wonder it's why. A, it's a thing. <laughs> and how, how was how was Roger's game? I mean, did he have any uh, potential to, I don't know, challenge another certain famous tennis playing Roger at all? <laughs> well, we did play a little charity events together. He came to my major charity event at the Royal Albert Hall in London, which uh, uh, I co-hosted along with the great uh, Richard Attenborough and... Uh, and uh, Jake Eberts, I don't know if you remember the name. He made some marvelous pictures, including yeah. Chariots of Fire, Dandy, Driving with Daisy, Dances with Wolves, a whole slew of great Oscar-winning pictures. And we did a, we used to do a charity event there for uh, for muscular dystrophy. And uh, Roger would come out and and, and, and spin the racket and, and uh, play some doubles and things like that. So he was very much uh, Terry Wogan played with us. It was a whole slew of celebrities and pros playing for charity and. Uh, uh, Roger Roger loved doing that because it was completely up his alley to be able to do charity work. And when he took over as uh, as head of uh, Goodwill Ambassador for UNICEF after uh, the late uh, wonderful Audrey Hepburn, I was serving as a messenger of peace for Kofi Annan for the United Nations. So we worked a lot together even after the picture was over as, as UN ambassadors. Mm. Wow. And on the flip side of that, I mean, as I said at the beginning, you've been on the court with probably two of the most intense tennis players of all time, Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe. I mean, I kind of have my own idea, but I mean, between those two guys, you know, would they have what it takes to be Bond villains and Bond henchmen? Because I can kind of see it with both of them. Um, Borg uh, it was a silent assassin. So you would, you would, uh, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't have given him too much dialogue. And, uh, and in, in, in McEnroe's case, you would have probably had to cut down the dialogue <laughs> and, and, and make sure he spoke less. But uh, uh, interesting, when you look at look at the villains that have played those roles all the way through, I can't wait to see Rami Malik in the last one. But uh, to see the guys who came through all the way from, uh, you know, in the very, very first one of Dr. No to, uh, to Goldfinger with Gert Frober playing Goldfinger, it was incredible to see these incredible, because the best role in a Bond picture always went to that lead villain. So it was always interesting to compare the villains. You mentioned before about the sort of the stunt work and everything during the, the rickshaw tuk-tuk chase. Um, I need to find out, did you really play the, the flute, VJ? And also, uh, did I read correctly that you are actually scared of snakes, so therefore you didn't have to act that much in those scenes? <laughs> um did I really play the flute? I thought I blew it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we believed you played it, so it, it came across on screen well. <laughs> the tune that came out was spectacular. So it was. I've done with the piano. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, the, the, the interesting thing about the snake was I kept asking the snake, the guy who owned the snake, I said, uh, well, I'm glad you've taken out all the poison from the cobra. And he said... Uh, uh, no, so we have to leave a little in, otherwise the snake dies. <laughs> so you mean to say that if he strikes me, that I could be poisoned? He said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like they were doing everything in their powers to kill you on this film, VJ. <laughs> the, 
You know what people don't realize about these Bond pictures is that uh, everything about the Bond picture is real. All the all the all of Q's uh, stuff that he has, everything works. None of them is fake. It's it's incredible. From that aeroplane that they manufactured to fly in the opening scene of Octopussy, it's incredible. From that jump that that guy made off the cliff in Spy Who Loved Me, it, it's it's real. And it's it's unimaginable that they're able to do those things. We, we might know of a couple of more modern day ones where they're not as real, um, but uh, that's that's for Colin yeah. to, to maybe chime in and uh, <laughs> comment on surfing off icebergs potentially. That's, but. that's the beauty of the old movies when they did it for real, right, VJ? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's amazing. As a Bond fan and somebody who this is your first experience, uh, you know, doing any type of movie, uh, were there times where you're not in a scene and you just want to observe what was going on on set? Oh goodness, yes, absolutely. Um, I was there a lot, and Barbara and I became very, very, very close friends, and uh, we still are. Uh, we have uh, dinner together on a regular basis when I'm in the UK or she comes to LA or whatever. So uh, we became very, very good friends. As I spent my entire 14 weeks of lunches and dinners with the uh, cubby and the family uh wow <laughs> the nicest nicest people in the world he was such a wonderful man he, he he loved everyone and everyone loved him that was the kind of person he was uh and uh, michael is a great guy they both they had cubby i think primed barbara and michael so well to take mm-hmm. over this incredible brand and take it to where it is today is un- unbelievable but uh uh, yes, I would go there and watch a lot of the lot of the shoots as well, just to learn more about where everything and how it's done, and and how the director looks through the camera lens and is able to see the macro picture. So, yes, absolutely, and, mean, and of course, listen to listen to Roger's humor even on set. Sure. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you'd want to you'd soak that up all the time. You, you mentioned before, of course, the the Battle of the Bond aspect of 1983. What was the mood like at the at the premiere, knowing that there's going to be another James Bond film that same year? And what was it like when you found out at the end of that year with the box office that Octopussy won the Battle of the Bonds? Was there a bit of a okay, original is always best. None of this new extra stuff that they're going to be doing this year. Well, their big. Uh their big plus point was, I suppose, from um, Kevin McClory's side, was the fact that uh, they had Sean for the lead role. And uh, and he was coming back with great gusto. They had a pretty decent um, supporting cast and Kim Basinger playing um, Domino in that role and so on. And uh, even though uh, even though it didn't quite compare to Sean in Thunderball in the original one, you know, it was it was it was going to be it was going to be a debate and the media was going to truly play it out but at the end of the day i just thought that uh, from a script perspective uh, from roger already being extremely successful in carrying the bond theme forward after live and let die that uh, you know roger was going to win the battle but it was going to be battle of the bonds only because sean was playing that other role <clears throat> if there was some third party Party playing that character, I don't think it would have mattered that much. But yeah. um, it seemed logical that Roger should have won that. And you know, you've been in a Bond movie. You've been, you know, tennis almost. The, I guess at the time it was the height of the game. Uh, you've done Star Trek, other mm-hmm. roles. Uh, now you're working as a commentator. Uh, any first of all, I guess any chance that you're going to get back into acting, maybe do a cameo in a future Bond movie, and then uh, tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, what you're doing right now in commentary for the sport. I've done a lot of the Grand Slams, obviously, over the 25 years. Uh, I've done that, which have really been quite uh, fantastic. I've also covered the Augusta Masters golf tournament. I've done um, some of the PGA events. Uh, last year, actually, without, if COVID hadn't happened, I was to have been at the British Open and the Senior British Open as well after Wimbledon. So 2019 was my 50th consecutive Wimbledon, if you can imagine that. Wow. And so, uh, you know, for me, uh, tennis has been ingrained in me and it's been very much a part of my life and I like to see how the sport grows and who the guys are coming along and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm very, very closely associated with the film business. We're very much involved in it. Um, if the roles come up from an acting perspective uh, that uh, I would fit in well, yes, I would love to do that. Similarly with television series, which I've done in the United States. And uh, on the production side, uh, my son Prakash and I I have a film company now that we're uh, developing pictures to, for production. So we're very ingrained in the industry itself here in LA. Mm-hmm. 
Great. Wow. And, and any ones coming up that uh, you want to give us a tease about? Um, you, you'll, the ones that we're working on are true eye openers. So uh, you, you'll hear about it when it's time for us to be able to say that mm. because uh, we are at a very tense stage in uh, several of them. Quick uh, two-part question to, to, to wrap things up, VJ. Uh, questions that you get asked all the time, but we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't ask you these. Who do you is the best ever James Bond and who is the best ever tennis player? <laughs> <laughs> that that For that, you don't have a bottle of wine to be able to answer that question. But. Okay. Yeah, we, we, I, I, I know some people back home in Australia. I'll get you some good stuff. Russian yeah, vodka? Oh, oh, yes, Australian <laughs> wine is terrific, by the way, uh, as are my own. But uh, and and if are you in London, Ben? You're in Vancouver, right? No, I, well, I'm near Vancouver. I'm in Victoria, so you know, basically Vancouver. Oh, you're in Victoria. Uh, I have my own brand of wine, by the way, called VJ Amitraj Wines. You can Google it. But right. in any event, <laughs> uh, the 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 one thing that I should, when you ask me the first question about who's the best Bond, I've had the good fortune to have done something with all the six guys who played Bond. Really? Starting starting with Sean, who was an avid tennis player in the beginning before he went off and played golf full-time because of, of uh, mm -hmm. knees and so on. So Sean, we played in charity events in tennis. George Lazenby has been a part of my charity event a couple of years in the golf tournament that we've had in Los Angeles. So George and I also <clears throat> caught up for a product that we launched together several months ago. Um, Roger, of course, and I became very good friends. And then Timothy and I who don't know quite as well, but we did some things for the British consulate here in Los Angeles, which was interesting. P.S. and I became very good friends um, and uh, play. I played a lot of golf together. Wow. And we're still very much in touch. He's obviously living in Hawaii now, but uh, he was living in Malibu, so we used to see each other quite a bit on the golf course at my club and uh, enjoy golf. We are about the same standards, so it was fun to play with him. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, when Daniel came along, we were uh, invited to uh, launch a product together at, uh, in New York, in Manhattan. So uh, I've had a chance to kind of work with all six of them in some form or fashion. And as Pierce likes to say, uh, there are more people who have walk, walked on the moon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. <laughs> so, um, yeah, who is the best Bond? I think uh, the way Sean created the character was spectacular. As, as, as good as the team was when um, Cubby and Harry bought the rights to doing it. I think, but for Roger to be able to run with it after a successful six-picture six run by Sean, uh, I think was quite unique. So, uh, and being very, very close and uh, as objective as I possibly can be, I think I'd have to go with, with Roger and uh, Sean up front. But again, I think Daniel has done a terrific job in, in, the, in the later stages. Though Pierce has tried very hard to combine Roger and Sean together. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, we didn't quite get the answer on the tennis player, but Ben, just by default, uh, as a proud Canadian, we're going to check that off as Milos Ronich. I think that was what VJ said, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely Milos heard Leighton Hewitt. I, I tell you, Canada <laughs> done a spectacular job with its players in mm -hmm. uh, you know considering what they've what they've had. But I think they've done a great job with Canadian tennis. And uh, but to answer Ben's question, I think uh, for me, Rod Laver was always. Uh, the one to look up to, though I ended up fortunate to have played him and beat him at the US Open wow. one other time as well. But uh, but you look at the record, you have to go with the record. And you can't compare, uh, you've got to compare apples and apples. And so mm -hmm. um, I think Roger, Rafa, Novak, Lever, all of these guys would have been good in any generation. Just put them in that generation and they would have been the best. I, I appreciate that when Colin's, you know, shouting the prideful Canadian player there that I, I went for Le <laughs> I went for Leighton Hewitt instead of Rod Laver. So I um <laughs> I, he's player of my era. I grew up loving Leighton, so I guess okay. kind of that's you know, him and Pat Rafter were kind of my heroes growing oh, up. So yeah, that's kind of where there I went go. from that. Uh, VJ, uh, I mean, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. I mean, is there anywhere people can follow you? Do you have any sort of social media or website? You mentioned your wine. Like, give yourself a plug here for how people can sort of stay up to date with what you're up to. I'm not huge on social media because I, I guess a little bit from the old school, but I do watch The Rock and Stallone and these guys just so active on social media. It's, it's incredible that they have the time and the ability to read it, even <laughs> someone else is doing it for them. But... Uh, Prakash, my son, always tells me, you know, uh, he, he followed me in tennis, was number one in India as well, played Davis Cup for us, and now works with the Tennis Channel as well, as being an actor and as also a production company with me. So 
and you can follow both of us, Prakash Amitraj, Vijay Amitraj. We're both on Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, you know, just to, uh, not that I'm on it all the time, but uh, it's fun to see what social media has done uh, mm. to uh, to the environment. And uh, we're, we're waiting, we're waiting with bated breath for cinemas and theaters to come back. Absolutely. Thanks so much for uh, being here with us today. And again, Octopussy, this has always been one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's a movie I, I've constantly tell people, you know, if you, you wouldn't think it, but Octopussy is one of the great Roger Moore movies. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Colin, Ben, thank you guys very much for having me. Wonderful, wonderful interview and good luck with the show. And thanks again to VJ for doing this. Um, this, as you said, it exceeded our expectations, uh, you know, because a, he wasn't really a known actor. Typically, when we do these interviews, there are people we have, you know, 16 other projects to talk to them uh, about. And here it's just Bond. But every story he gave us was just gold. And, you know, the amount of time that he spent with Roger Moore uh, on and off the set, too, I think just totally lives up to the vision that we had of Roger Moore, that we wanted to have of Roger Moore. Just midway through a conversation, jumping into a fucking pool. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, just can that not get any better, that image? And like, I just imagine everybody around that table just not saying a word. He's like, you know, oh, yeah. yes, I'm telling an illuminating story. Well, hold that thought, jump, swim, swim. Everyone's just like jaws down. Like, oh, my God, Roger Moore's swimming in a safari suit. You, you said at the beginning that this is an exclusive interview. Now, I'm one of these people who hates the use of the word exclusive when it's not an exclusive. But, like, you're yep. not wrong because one thing that we did in the lead up to this interview is try to find... A, a VJ interview talking about Bond. And I said to you, all I could find was just, oh, here he is interviewing Roger Federer and Andre Agassi. There was even an interview with him and Pierce Brosnan. You know, it's kind of like, okay. But I could not find one of him just talking about Octopussy. So I kind of agree that what you said is true, that it is sort mm-hmm. of an exclusive. And, and please, yeah. any other Spectre, et cetera, if you've interviewed VJ, please message me and correct me. But uh, I, I, for one, couldn't find any other VJ interviews out there to do with Bond. And let's say the battle of the 1983 allies is over. VJ wins. VJ wins. <laughs> Sorry, Kim Bassinger. You, you, you're no longer welcome on this show. Uh, take your Oscar you are, and war. <laughs> yeah, ben, you are. ben, Ben, Ben. There goes our show, 100th Kim. episode. We're sorry. Shit. Uh, <laughs> and we are getting closer to 100th episode. And we uh, do have a very exciting interview we're going to be bringing you there. There's going to be lots of other episodes before then. Commentaries and more No Time to Die delays and... Maybe some rankings. We've got exciting stuff coming up on Dazbois 7. Uh, nothing specifically we want to tell you right now because we don't 100% know. Let's just be honest. But something is coming very soon. We, we like to keep busy and a little bit too busy sometimes, which means, you know, we always value your money should you wish to sign up to our <laughs> Patreon, 007, or patreon.com forward slash 007. Some great tiers on there. But no, we, we sort of came together and said, hey, we should maybe do a bit more frequent content. You know, we sort of always went on the notion that would go once a month and then that kind of got a bit sporadic. But, you know, we, we always, I think, have said that this is maybe, of all the podcasts we do, maybe the favourite one we do. And it's 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 odd. Mm-hmm. We, we recently celebrated our 1,000th episode of the Oz Network and we talked about that, how kind of this becoming a show, spinning off from our then Survivor Oz days, turned into something that we kind of renewed our passion for this and led on to the Oz Network. But I don't know about you, Colin. Uh, you know, I do a lot of podcasts uh, with like two listeners to all like six of them. But like, I, I honestly would say this might be the favorite one I do because yeah. I, I love the franchise. I think we've got a, a good thing going here. And that's not me trying to toot our own horn. I think just the, the style and the, the fun we have, like listeners are great. Patreon's great. But like, honestly, this is just like three guys coming together to talk about a movie franchise. they love, we get to fucking speak to VJ from Octopussy, you know, Michael mm-hmm. Gore from fucking die another day. I mean, what's yeah. not to celebrate this. So I'm just getting a bit emotional Colin about how, yeah. uh, how much fun I have doing this show. You, you usually get emotional when you ask for money. That's a typical yeah. thing with Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please give me money. I'm poor. But, but in all seriousness, I mean, if, if anybody out there wants to sign up for our Patreon, uh, you know, it, it, you don't have to donate $20. I mean, you sign up for a couple bucks a month and we'll give you great bonus content and all that. And it's not because we want money. It's just because the show does cost money and we're just looking for a little bit of support from all you loyal listeners out there. Uh, so we continue to bring you great people like VJ and Michael Gore and Nicholas Susick and Noah Groves. Who? Oh, the great Noah Groves. Well, he costs money nowadays. Let's he be does. He's fucking expensive. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, I mean, racist, can't get a date, and he's drug habit. Holy crap. Like, <laughs> the, 
guy's gone off the rails. Like, I just can't <laughs> keep up with him. I mean, Come on, he needs your help, people. <laughs> he really <Let's> does. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag send Noah to rehab. Um, I, I fear for the kid's safety. Uh, I really, like, he, he drunkenly listens to our episodes and I don't know he if does. he's caught up with the episodes where we've basically slandered him. Um, <laughs> in every episode that I think we've ever done. And then what, what's my retort to him when he comes on an episode? Oh, he can't get a date. To which he doesn't know what we're talking about, right? So, (laughs) And Noah, if you want to sign up for Patreon, we'll take your money too. Um, More than us. It's more appropriate it goes to us than your dealer. Let's just... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Again, uh, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Patreon because we will take your money. Uh, Thanks again to VJ. Thanks again to Ben. No thanks to you, Noah. Uh, my name is Colin and snakes in a basket. That's a great sequel. Uh, my name is Ben and quite an illuminating swim I just had then. It's a charming tune. Mr. Bond is indeed a very rare breed, soon to be made extinct. Fill her up, please. And this is Miss Penelope Smallbull, my new assistant. That's my little octopusy. She's known as Octopussy. Octopussy? His pet name for me was Octopussy. 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 Having problems keeping it up, kid? Where can I find the base commander? It's urgent. Let's see your circus pass. Damn it, man, I said it's urgent. Sir, that bomb is set to explode at 3.45. That's 90 seconds from now. General, this man's either drunk or crazy. Look, I haven't time for these adolescent antics. I hear that island's full of beautiful women. No men allowed. Really? Sexual discrimination? I'll definitely have to pay it a visit. Oh, Jay, we're two of a kind. Go out and get him. Out there? Go. He suggests the trade, the egg for your life. Well, I'd heard the price of eggs was going up, but isn't that a little high? The West is decadent and divided. Follow that car. It's odd, but when I'm stared at, I seem to lose my appetite. Property of a lady. Well, there are quite a few ladies here. There is a lady. And this for my brother. Ah! And that's for 009. How long would I get in the brig if I stole your wallet? Uh, about two years. <laughs> well, in that case, I'd better return it. Son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks the thoughts up. What are you doing? Oh. Yeah, oh, cut it out. We haven't time for that. Oh. Later, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, did you get a picture?